Welcome to La Mezcla Latina, where we discuss all things music, culture, career, and lifestyle regarding the Latinx community. I'm your host, Dominica, and I can't wait to chat in this week's episode. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn more about La Mezcla Más Pura. Welcome back to another episode con La Mezcla Latina. Today I'm joined by my dear friend Karen. Her and I, I guess in like the past year or two, we've gotten really, really close and we've talked all about, you know, like being Latina, the whole experience, this and that, like our family's journeys and stuff. And hers is very unique in the sense that she's the oldest, but she's also still, you know, like a millennial Gen Z and she's had to kind of create her own path and also be that I want to say like parent figure to your younger brother as well. And not just that, you're also in school right now to be in like the health field. And I know that was also a journey figuring out what you wanted to do. So I thought your story was very unique in that people could learn a lot from the way that you kind of created your own path. So do you want to do a quick little intro so everyone knows and can hear your marvelous voice? Okay, well, hi, my name is Karen. Um, I'm 25 years old and I live in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, well, yeah, I mean, I've my experience alone, I think it's very similar to a lot of people, like young people, uh, especially from the Latin community. You know, um, growing up, my mother is a single mother, so she had to um, be able to um, provide for my brother and I um, for literally the whole time that we've been here because I wasn't born here. I was born in Bolivia. Um, I came here when I was like seven, six, seven years old um, to Virginia. So from that moment on, it was literally just up to my mom to kind of uh, raise me and then later on my brother. So that alone was a struggle for her and for myself learning everything. Um, you know, from the language to how people live here, the, um, you know, the culture right. um, and meeting so many different people from different backgrounds. So, and I know you just covered that whole um, Bolivian aspect and I know it's like a thing, right? Like in Virginia, there's like a lot of Bolivian people. Do you think that kind of helped kind of emerge yourself into the culture or not really? Not, I mean, I'm, I'm not so big behind that just because um most of uh, my family isn't here so a lot of that like you have to kind of know people from um your country to do that my family didn't really know anybody here um when my mom came it was just her she didn't have family here she didn't have uncles or aunts a lot of people have that so you get kind of involved into the community so when my mom came all she focused was work Right. Work, work, work for like literally for um for years. She still does. Um, so she gave very little time to kind of focus and integrate herself that way. But now that like we're all kind of much more grown up, she started, especially with like school events. I feel like that kind of helped her a little bit because even her, she wouldn't been able to figure out all these events that have been happening if it wasn't for, you know, like the counselors at school, like letting her know, but then also her having to take time off to attend those events um, was challenging for her. So it's a good and bad thing, I guess, because, you know, like she has to focus on work and she can't really make it. But even now, like she's trying to get integrated into that community now. Mm-hmm. So, and she likes it. She, she loves going to those events, all the carnavales, all those events. They're fun. I love going yeah um, the food and everything so you got to just manage 
Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what made you step up into that role of being like, I like to call it like the pioneer, right? So because your mom had to work, obviously, to provide for you guys, that kind of made you like, almost in a sense, like grow up faster, right? And try to figure out your own way through school and then college and your work and stuff. So how do you how would you describe or how did you think your um, how did you figure out that whole finding your your path in education? Well, even a coming, you know, learning, having to learn the language alone um, at seven years old, I, you know, I had to grow up real quick to be able to communicate not only for myself, but for my mom. Um, she alone, she speaks, she right now, she speaks very little English. So I had to kind of um, grow up really quickly into that kind of helping mode, um, being that child that's always there to help her with even like the um, serious stuff. That like she was documents. yeah, like documents, you know, for everything. It was always me translating. So I had to be able, I, I couldn't really, um, you know, get into like, um, just kind of like leave her be and just not care. Yeah, you couldn't really ignore it. You had to be there, right? Yeah, I had to, I had to be there and kind of do that. So um, I grew up real quickly with that. And then the learning the English helped a lot. As a kid, you absorb everything so quickly. So within like a year, I was able to speak very fluently. And That's a lot awesome. of my teachers were even like impressed that I was learning so quickly. So um, doing that kind of like helped everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, being kind of that role into, um, you know, kind of guiding my brother through everything because he was the one who was born here. So he's much more uh, quickly integrated into the whole system, you know, school and life and everything around here. From the very beginning. Yeah. yeah from the very beginning for him, it's kind of easy. You know, he, he doesn't really understand a lot of what I've struggled. Um, so he kind of like has a different lens to it. Um, when it comes to like helping stuff, you know, mm-hmm. helping my mom with different things, he's still kind of understanding that it's something that I've always done. So I never really stop. Even now I'm like always, my mom is always looking at me and not necessarily at my brother. Cause she's so used to me kind of taking role in, you know, being in there and helping her. Yeah. And I guess from also like a younger sibling perspective, because I am the youngest, I'm like, okay, that's like my older sister's job, you know, like, so mm-hmm. I bet in his perspective, it's like, okay, well, Karen has it, you know, she's, yeah. she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much like that. She, she even like, um, you know, like he tries, obviously he, he tries, but it's like, they always just come back to me and be like, can you do it? Can you help me? And then they're like, um, she got it. She can do it. So then, you know, it's, we try to like work together, but it's always come down to me to kind of like help her with the more, um, important things. Yeah. And with that, it sounds like it's not necessarily like tough, but just like a lot of pressure. Right. And do you think there was a lot of that with like, did you think you put a lot of pressure on yourself when it came down to like applying to college and, you know, getting your first job? Yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, applying to college alone was a struggle because even at school you have. Yeah, you have the counselors, you have all that but they don't really help you. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's sad almost because I feel like they should get integrated more, especially with those people who um, have no idea what they're doing. Their parents, like most of the kids that I went to school with, their parents knew all about the applications, you know, the fees for the applications. They knew about FAFSA. They knew about um, the other stuff that you need to apply for scholarships, like college board all that stuff. And I was kind of left like, whoa, this is a lot to even manage within like that 
period of six months when everything gets thrown at you right before high school ends. Um, Yeah. And so I had to kind of deal with that. And I couldn't really ask my mom and the counselor like would not really help me that much. So figuring that out by myself with like asking some friends, you know, figuring out online, um, that was alone a lot of pressure because obviously I wanted to um, continue education. And I, for me, it was always, I, I was head on that I wanted to go and continue, not um, leave for a year or, you know, go to work straight. But um, beyond that, it was just doing application stuff right after high school, but also kind of getting into the healthcare field, which I'm in now. So, And that kind of, you just kind of pivoted my conversation to that. Um, I was wondering, like, do you think you growing up and even so closer when you, towards when you finished college, you had that, um, not that stigma, but more so like that whole pressure to follow like a higher position kind of thing, like to either go into engineer, um, architect, doctor, nurse, you know, like were your parents or was your mom kind of like, Karen, you better, you know, ponte las pilas, you better follow a good path. Um, Yeah. I mean, it wasn't necessarily like, you know, um, a lot of, pressure really that was given like straight away it was like for me it was more again since I came here develop like it developed into like definitely get a good job where you get can you you can get paid it's all about being able to be you know financially stable yeah I feel like in a lot of the um Latin community like the parents especially older generations it's about just working and being able to be financially secure mm-hmm. and so I my mom and everything um, with my uncles um, back in my country in Bolivia, um, the situation over there is not easy. So for you to be able to get out and prosper, you really need to be educated. So a lot of the most of the um, careers over there revolve about, around healthcare, or um, maybe some of the older ones like engineering and like you know being a lawyer or like a dentist mm-hmm. but it mostly if you really want to be stable in a good good setting and a good job and you know make a living for yourself and your family and get out of the poverty level um over there it surrounds around healthcare careers like doctors and nurses especially nurses for women um so ever since i was little my mom was like, you should do nursing. You should apply into nursing. Um, you love taking care of people. And I do. Um, so that was kind of like always the main thing for me, always healthcare and not necessarily pressure to do nursing, but it's like, it's the path they kind of got were guiding me to it. You yeah. know, it was more so like what you guys always talked about type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And how how's that journey been? I know I know it's been a crazy ride from what you and I always talk about. But what do you want to share with people of like who either are going through that same journey or, you know, how how did that go about for you? Uh, Well, the journey, again, it's difficult straight out of high school, figure out what you want want in general for any, you know, any teenager, any especially from other countries who figure out what they really like and also like what can make their parents proud and what, you know, career will actually make them financially secure in the end, you know? Mm -hmm. So dealing with all of those things, I kind of always kept my head on being in healthcare because I do, I do love people like we're helping people being there for people. Um, 
so yeah, I did, I did try the nursing thing and I worked in a hospital prior to that, which most things like most healthcare people who do nursing, um, don't do nursing straight out of high school or even during during high school, which I did. Um, most people go to nursing school and they don't have experience with patients face to face till like they're graduating or third or till they're in actual in the actual program, you know. And so I was able to interact with doctors and nurses and everybody from the healthcare care at a very young age. So I saw different things. I saw the stress. I saw the burnout. I saw everything that kind of guided me into direction that I didn't want to necessarily take on as a career. Mm-hmm. And um, this it's much more, um, you know, structural and organizational that there's an issue of why so many people are burnt out, doctors and nurses and everybody. So that kind of like got my interest, um, the business side, the administrative side of healthcare, which led me to, you know, leave nursing and finally settle on something that I enjoy doing and I enjoy learning about. Um, and which is what I'm pursuing now. And, you know, I'm in my last year for my bachelor's. So, yeah. And what is that, um, like the title of that called again? Uh, Healthcare administration. There we go. I love that. And, you know, do you have like any advice? Because, you know, sometimes like you just mentioned, you hear nursing, 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 but there's so many million different paths, like one of those being yours, you know, following healthcare administration. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was it was even even um, a thing that I really knew about until I started, you know, talking to the people that I work with. It wasn't even at school, at college, um, you know, figuring that out. It was literally talking to the doctors and the nurse, the nurses that I work with um, who brought out all these other different career options um, that I could take on. So definitely it's more about doing your own research. And again, for the Latin community is also kind of about, about educating your own, um, your parents, you know, about the different options uh, career wise we have here, the opportunities of careers that we can expand on are countless here in the night in the United States compared to, um, what we have in our country. You know, so being able to teach that to my mom and make her understand and aware of that, you know, the career that I'm in, it's still a good career. It's still a good job. And I, it, I, I love what I'm doing. And at that point, you know, she was understanding and she was, she got it and she's completely supportive of it. So I feel like even now there's like a million completely like new and maybe it was something like really small in the past, but now these smaller roles are like building up and they're becoming so popular. Especially with social media, with like the internet alone, there's so, there's a brand new field of like careers that just popped up within the last like 10 years. And there's so many ways to exceed in those, you know, and like our parents are just so used to the traditional roles that it's kind of difficult for them to get out of that mindset where it's like, oh, you can succeed doing literally anything. Yeah. 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 And for my mom, it was a little challenging as well for like all, a lot of my family members um, to quite understand that because it was like either doctor or nursing, you know, but I'm just mm-hmm. like, this is a good career. And, you know, if you if they trust in me and believe in me, you know, that like it's going to work out. So I feel like having that trust and that support is really important. So and 
has your brother ever like really talked to you about, I know he's still in high school, but he's, has he talked to you about what he wants to pursue in the future? Like, are you that support system to him where you're like, whatever you want to do, we got your back. Or are you more so the type that's like, oh, maybe you should look into healthcare or anything along those lines? Yeah, no, I'm definitely like more guy, like a guide towards him of what careers would be beneficial, um, especially him being um, a guy. You know, there's so many fields that can open up um, to men in the United States more than women um, that can really they if they get it really quickly, if they do it at a young age, they can advance so quickly in it, especially like all these technical um, careers, you know, that are much easier than um getting a full like um degree yeah yeah which is something that I learned really quickly because I I got a lot of certifications at a very young age which a lot of those certifications they don't tell you about you kind of have to do your research so it's something that I'm trying to instill at him to get all out of these certifications because when you do that you build up your profile in how you can get hired because it's all about getting hired with all these certifications all these background um, knowledge that you have and learning experience and so if you're able to present all these stuff that you already know and you have and that you're actually certified under like you're much more likely to get hired and get paid well so so true at a very young age so compared to other people, for example, with nursing, uh, a lot of the pro- uh, the program I'm in, a lot of the nurses that did apply didn't get in, but they did have a nursing degree. But I also had my associate's degree with a lot of my three other certifications that I got with working experience. So, you know, it's all, it's all about competition, unfortunately, in the career in the healthcare field and a lot of careers, um, business, engineering, everything. It comes down about how much you're able to learn. And the only way to kind of show um, employers that is by getting all this certification. So that's why I'm like trying to guide him into literally getting all these things at a very young age. So then if he really wants to do you know, university. And he's like, you know, I don't know if he's gonna, most people in the Latin community, um, you know, decide to work really at a young age, Yeah, like skip school for a little bit, you know, and that's fine. I get that. But at least work in my perspective, work for at least a certification to get in that break that you are taking, you know? So I tell him that I'm like, if you're not ready for university right now, right away, then get a certification in something that's going to is going to make you, you know, earn well, but also is going to give you experience into whatever field you choose to decide. Yeah. And I think you hit it on the nail because like in a lot of um, just any any field, really like healthcare, calm, whatever it is, it's more so experience. Like literally people just want to know that you're using your time to kind of improve yourself in something that's valuable to them, you know? Yeah, no, it, it really is all about experience because for, for me being in the healthcare, it's all about it, it's not necessarily all about the books half the time. It's about patient experience and patient interactions. So me being, you know, I did volunteering all through high school with patients in hospitals. Um, I did that. And then I'm getting my certifications and then working in a hospital, you know, doing shifts, full shifts um, that like is more valuable to a lot of employers than you just graduating out of um, college. Yeah. 
Because a degree really says, okay, you can take a test, but can you work with the people <laughs> that you're going to work with? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's just, it's a smart, smart thing to think about. Um, and it's something that I didn't know. I had to learn. You know, a lot of the people that I went to school with after they graduated, they had no experience because they never worked. They didn't work. They all they focused was studying, you know, and they did or they worked like, um, you know, uh, not like a, a, a minimal wage job. And it was just that to get just income. But it wasn't necessarily to get experience. It wasn't really to help further their career, really. Yeah, it was yeah. just make ends meet. And I get that. And it's fine. But I feel like if you really want to build on your career, definitely take that that, you know, extra effort to build it in a way that it's beneficial for you in the future. I agree. Yeah. And I feel like this, anyone listening, like this can apply to literally any career any, and at any stage in your life, really, because you can always pivot, right? Yeah. Um, and we can't talk about the healthcare field without talking about the lack of representation. So I know you and I have had these discussions all the time, but kind of like, what do you hope? I mean, you know how they say like one change really can't change the world, but like if you don't try, then like no one else will try. So like, is there anything that you hope to like either help and it could be in, in the hospital you end up in or whatever, like something that you wish to do to help kind of break that barrier where there might be a little bit more representation, you alone following this career and like trying to, you know, finish your degree in this and then eventually getting a job in this is kind of breaking that barrier, right? Because there's not a lot of Latina women that are in that field, but um, yeah, I'll let you give us your take on that. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, yeah, as soon as, you know, working in the healthcare field, yeah, you kind of would see maybe every once in a while, you know, representation, uh, co-workers who are, um, you know, of Latin background. Um, but most of the time in most offices and most hospitals, um, the doctors, the staff, the nurses, it all comes down to them being, you know, American and not knowing the language, not knowing English very well or at all. So a lot of the patients that I have seen and have worked with, they're literally sometimes very relieved to the point where they're like not, you know, they, they are afraid to speak up mm -hmm. to their own doctor because they're, they, they don't know what's going on around them. And the moment sometimes that I even walk through my patient's door at like six in the morning and they see that because I, I always I always um, read their background and I talk to the nurses beforehand and they tell me if they speak Spanish or not. Um, and the moment I walk in, literally their sigh of relief is like one of the most almost heartbreaking things because it's like that's damaging their health care. You know what I mean? Their way of receiving care. Yeah. And it, it's almost yeah, it's sad because there isn't that much representation and Patients hold back because of fear of, you know, all these different things of not being understood, of being judged, They're, the stereotypes people have, you know, mm -hmm. um, the people, the like just our own kind of personal bias that everyone has towards, you know, different cultures. Um, so that alone, I, I am hopeful that I can, you know, bring kind of that side, but towards like the business side where I can kind of try to make change into how, you know, people get hired and how um, there's more diversity in each department, you know, and also following that it's offering more services to those people, 
who are afraid to ask. There's barely also just like to that point, there's barely ever like that many translators. And if it is, it's someone who doesn't really even know how to speak the language. So they're getting like everything translated incorrectly. Incorrectly. And also the thing I've learned is that a lot of what we communicate face to face, it's about emotion. It's about how you talk. It's about, you know, facial expression and communication with your voice and tone. And that doesn't get translated. Mm-mm. Fear and, and, and anxiety that a patient has towards a certain treatment or a certain um, disease or something, you know, they're diagnosed with, um, that doesn't get translated, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever the, the doctor is showing, whether it's empathy, whether it's compassion, whether it's whatever, that also doesn't get translated. So yeah. all of that gets missed by real quickly. And, you know, sometimes the patient feels like there's no connection there with their doctor when there might be, but it's just not, unfortunately, it's not, it's not translated, you know? Yeah. And if you don't know the language, then you really are like, well, did you even say what I meant? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then I just, I know, and I, you probably relate to this too. Like, I remember being young and having my older sister doing it or like a family member, like translating and then having to hear what other translators like through the phone are translating. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was incorrect. And like the doctor's just like taking it as whatever, you know? Yeah. And also having, you know, um, the translator necessarily understand and be knowledgeable about the culture aspect of it um so many latin um latinx uh, you know communities and people and cultures have different values have different beliefs have different languages speak different dialects that's not necessarily the same thing it's not it's not just spanish mm-hmm. for every country it really isn't and being able to have that understood in an organization i feel like it's so important And I know we're kind of going off of this tangent about translations, but there's also like the layer of religion. I feel like a lot of the times like we um, we kind of generalize and say like, oh, all Latinos are Catholic, Christian, whatever. But there's also Latinos that are like Muslim and that are, you know, um, atheist, you know, all this stuff. So like there's even that other layer that it's like you can't just generalize based on their country. You also have to think about other aspects. Yeah, no, I I feel like that also just goes in hand with like just someone kind of like the stereotyping. Yeah, that just goes around that has the belief of them being either Christian or Catholic. Like, there's a lot more to that, and I feel like having the cultural competency is so so important in healthcare. So that's my main goal to like really bring that out in the hiring process, in the you know being able to teach. Um, you know, departments about the different um, ways to interact, the different, you know, um, things to be knowledgeable about to be able to help the patient and their care. Yeah. And I think it's awesome that you're following that field and that like track, because I feel like if there's no one that is part of that community in that space, then it's never really going to happen, you know? It never really is. And considering the like the program that, that I'm in, again, it's mostly just Americans. And, you know, like when I'm when I, when I'm doing my own work, when I'm writing my essays, I do it with the lens of, you know, being from this community, you know, the needs that, you know, Hispanic people and Latin ex people like need, you know, and, and yeah, that's and sometimes that's more it just stands out. Because I get a lot more questions asked. My professors ask more things. Um, the students are able to learn different things just because of what I'm bringing to the table within a conversation. 
during class. And it's an acid girl. Yes, we love to hear it because I feel like literally like it just needs to be broken like that barrier. Like it's now now's the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we've been talking about the healthcare field a lot right now, but I also just wanted to touch on like one of your little ventures that you do, because I feel like it's cool because I don't know. I mean, maybe this is something that I had stereotyped when I was younger, but you look at a doctor and you're like, oh, you know, they're a doctor when they go home, they're probably serious or like watch movies and stuff. But, you know, everyone's so like multifaceted. Everyone's into a lot of things. You know, when you're a kid, you just don't think that. And one of the great things about you is that you have that like that left and right brain Um aspects to you and so yeah do you want to touch a little bit about your beauty page because you're (laughs) so talented you're like a little artist or whatever (laughs) yeah no I I started doing makeup like probably like right after high school I didn't even do like my own makeup during high school it wasn't that type like all I wore was like eyeliner and as soon as I graduated I got into the makeup stuff all the beauty stuff I didn't I wasn't the type to like go to cosmetology and like you know get a degree in that um I literally just learned by painting on my face (laughs) and somehow like it just got I just got very good at it and it's something that I love doing I love colors I love experimenting with different looks um different styles so it's just something that I developed you know through the years and I've literally gotten so much stuff from everywhere that it's like overflowing half the time with practice you just get better Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh I need everything I need to like have everything because I want to try it on me and like learn and I like all these YouTube videos that came out, you know, from all these people um, that are known now, like from ever. But like I literally started like seeing them when they like started like really, really early, like mm-hmm. five, six years ago. Um, so it's just something that I enjoy doing. And um, it's got um, to the point where I'm able to like handle it as a business now, almost as a side business, just because I do different things for different people. Like I've done makeup for different um events for people who um just reached out to me because they found my page or you know they heard from a friend that I do makeup and so yeah it's just a little side thing that I like doing it's a side hustle that's you know hustling and yeah the reason why I wanted to point that out is because I feel like sometimes um we forget that you don't also just have to follow like your nine to five or just go to school like there's so many ways to bring in income and it's cool to see that when it's like a Latina doing it you know yeah, yeah, no, it's something that also my mom didn't quite understand when I got into the makeup stuff. She's like, why do you, why are you going to do that? That's not going to give you any money. And then now the fact that it's like, it's a, it's a side business that I have going on. And she's like, you know, she's much supportive of it. And she's the one who like sometimes just buys me all this makeup. And she's like, here you go. <laughs> she's like, please yeah. <laughs> keep, keep, doing, keep doing your thing, girl. <laughs> yeah. And I sometimes when I'm doing lives and stuff like that, she understands it because before she wouldn't, or when I'd be just like randomly, you know, doing makeup on me. And she's like, it looks good. You know, she's very supportive of it now. So that's understanding. Awesome. Yay. I love to see it. I love when people have like their own things going on. And I know you and I talk about that all the time, (laughs) but moving on to something that you and I also talk about at the end of every episode, I like to ask people, you know, um, what is your favorite food? And specifically if it's from your country, that's good because then, you know, like we get a perspective from you, but also your favorite Latinx singer. And before you answer both of these questions for everyone listening, a lot of you are probably our friends, but 
we used to do the whole concert thing. So we're very much into all of the Latinx, you know, people that are popping right now. But I want to hear in this episode who you would pick as your number one. Okay, hit it with me. Let's start with the food first. Okay, the food. Um, it's definitely Bolivian food. So it can be pretty much anything. But my top two favorite plates have to be um, pique. So pique lo macho. And then um, silpancho. Silpancho. I know that one. I know that one. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, no, those are my two favorites. Can't live without them. That's awesome. Okay, and now hit me with your number one Latinx singer. One. You can only pick one. You're going to make me do that. I know. And the reason why I love this is because we we know we we're following everyone right now. Yeah, but like you can't just ask me to do one. But yeah, no, I got to say, obviously, Benito. That bunny. Yes, that's a great one. Yeah. Oh only my because God. I actually have a tattoo of him. So no, no, tell, of his tell the people what it is and where it's at. It's, it's on my um hand i don't know if you can see it your forearm yeah so it's the first tattoo from any artist that i've ever gotten so that's how you know it's real when it's on your body (laughs) i love it well thanks so much karen before we know we sign off do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on instagram like your beauty page or or whatever you want to share yeah yeah yeah, definitely um my beauty page is karen g beauty it's both on facebook and Instagram like that. And then also my Instagram, my personal one is just Care Bear uh, underscore K game. I love it. Everyone give her a follow and also just look at her work. She's amazing. And I can't wait for you to graduate so we can have a big celebration because there's another Latina in the healthcare Yay. field, baby. <laughs> Yay. So excited. One more year. I love it. Thanks so much, Karen. <laughs> Thank you. That's going to be it for today's episode. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram at Pod. That's P-O-D. And again, don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode to learn more about La Mezcla Más Rica.